ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Platform Comics Podcast. My name is Tucker. My guest today is Chris Sanchez, who is an editor over at Mad Cave Studios. If you don't know Mad Cave, they are a publisher. They are actually a sponsor of our short comic competition. They are going to be giving out feedback to all the finalists. If you are a comic book creator, you are probably interested in getting published or getting the attention of publishers. So, of course, hearing what a publisher has to say about your work, your writing, your art, where your strengths are, where you can improve. Not that you should do everything a publisher tells you to do. Be true to yourself and your stories. But, of course, that perspective can be super helpful. We actually start off talking about this talent search that they just did. They don't really take submissions the way other publishers do. They accept scripts and artwork and portfolios, and that's sort of how they discover new talent. Um, you know, and he talks about what patterns he sees between the ones that get selected and the ones that get passed around, you know, to the rest of the team versus the ones that, you know, they have to pass on that just need more work. And a lot of them actually get disqualified because they just don't follow the rules. So I'm hoping that if you submit your comic anywhere, you're at least, you know, reading the rules before you do. We also talk a little bit about conventions because he's about to go to a bunch of conventions. And, you know, for them... Their goal is to get their name out there, get their books out there, get new fans. But of course, creators approach them to pitch their comics, to show off their portfolios. And he gives some really specific advice for how to approach a publisher at a convention. You know, so if your goal is to go to cons, to get some FaceTime with publishers, a lot of great advice about that. Like I said, he is an editor and he talks about the job of an editor. It's not just proofreading and making sure everything is in the right format. A lot of it is creative. It's, you know, working with the writer to make sure the story is as good as possible, you know, and then working with artists on layout and making sure that the story flows from one panel to the other, things like that. So he does have to wear a lot of hats as an editor. And I think it's always interesting to get uh, editor's perspective on making comics. I think if you make comics, even if you're self-publishing, doing a Kickstarter, that sort of thing, I don't think it would hurt. In fact, I would very much encourage you to hire an editor uh, to get an outside party to tell you where they think your book works really well, where you think you can improve it. You know, it, it never hurts to get somebody who's unbiased to give you their opinion on your book. And we do talk about the inner workings of a publishing company. You know, when you send out an email to a publisher, you kind of have no idea who's on the other end of that, how decisions are made. He talks about some really technical stuff stuff, like how they use Google Drive to transfer files back and forth. But then also things like, you know, they have a reputation with comic book shops, with other creators. The entire comic book industry, and probably most industries, are built on reputation, relationships, that sort of thing. And it's not just about the people making the comics. As a company, they have to make sure that the comic book shops like working with them and trust them and know that they're going to be delivering high-quality products on time. So running a publishing company is pretty similar to running a career as a creator. You know, you have to constantly be maintaining relationships and making new relationships. So I'm very glad I had this conversation. I love hearing about making comics from the perspective of people who don't actually, you know, make the comics. These people are on the periphery, but their perspective is always unique. They view the comic from a slightly different lens, and I think it's always interesting to hear that perspective. So this is my interview with Chris Sanchez from Mad Cave Studios. So you guys just uh, finished up a talent contest, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the deadline for it was, I think, last. It was a, yeah, it was like last Saturday or something. Um, and we just ended it, and now we're going through all the submissions. So can you talk about that, like why you guys chose to uh, reach out to creators and look for new talent, and like what your goals were, like what were you looking for? Right. So this started uh, last year. Uh, last year we did the same thing, sort of looking for uh, new writers and new artists uh, for our company. We saw similar um, 
searches going around. They were like, hey, let's you know do this. Try to try to get some people who are not well known or haven't found a way to break in because it's very hard to break in, um, especially if you're like say a writer and you don't have artist friends um, or like have enough capital to start. This would be a cool way to get involved with the community and get get people who are overlooked. We did that last year, um, and to great success. We just starting to see now with Shows End and Over the Ropes, which which we just announced. Um, creative teams that have won from last year that we're now publishing their stuff. So we were like, let's do it again this year, and try to see how long we can keep this going. So the people who uh, who get accepted this year. The stuff that they're making will be coming out like a year from now. It, it takes about that long to make a yeah yeah to make a, a book. Some some shorter than others. Like like with show, like shows in was a relatively very like I think it was like eight months turnaround something like that. Over the ropes got delayed a little bit, but yeah, some of the stuff were, that we're putting into production has been basically yeah a year in the making. When you're doing the talent contest, from what I understood, it was like new writers and artists for the series that you already have. But you also have like new series coming out with with new writers and artists. Is there is there is are those separate things or is that part of the talent contest too? Uh, so as part of like the talent valuation, um, you turn in scripts and art based on our IPs, but we would be giving you new ones to work with. Uh, okay. When you finally uh, get published by us or something, it would be a new IP, not like you doing Battle Cats for us. It's more of a liability thing of like we don't want your stuff because then we would be liable for anything there and it gives us uh, an evaluation also as well of like have you actually read the stuff obviously talent and your work ethic and your skill trumps everything but there's a certain thing of like oh you actually put the time in to care about this stuff so i can obviously trust you to care about anything else i give you do you get a lot of like people submitting who like clearly didn't read the rules or don't you had you would be so shocked by how many emails i get of just people like here's my portfolio or here's my thing or oh here's here's a page but also but not the, like the submission agreement we need a submission agreement before we open up anything just as well to like keep us safe so yeah if you don't give me that i can't open your stuff that's very clearly we state that so yes uh a lot of emails uh are just like I can't do anything with this. So uh, besides people who clearly just like don't uh, just ignore the rules or uh, are there any like common um, mistakes you see people making in in their approach or like? I would say the first thing is honestly format. That's something like whenever you, you open up a book and people say like the first thing you notice is the coloring and lettering. That's how you truly um, separate professional quality books from non-professional quality books is the, was the coloring and lettering. So the first thing to separate a non-professional script or a professional script is usually the format of that script. Like if I can't understand it, what the how these panels are aligned or where do you want this dialogue to be, or if you don't know what a caption is and you're doing something different, that is the first indication to me is like, oh, this this is not where we want it to be. Uh, that's like the first thing. Besides besides that. Like immediately grabbing hold in the first page is a big thing because if your story is 10 pages and by the first page I am not hooked in, it is very hard for me to just pretty anyone reading a script. It's very hard to capture that, say, on the fourth page. Um, so that first page better be your best page. So a lot of times when people are submitting comics, they're submitting like, you know, 
completed comics or pitches that with you know art and everything but reading a script I'm, I'm sure that takes a certain amount of like practice to be able to like read a script but be able to visualize like you know how it'll work on the page i guess it's similar to like screenplays like sure you know you have to know how to read a screenplay to visualize what it's going to look like yeah how, how did you develop that ability to kind of see how it's going to translate uh well the only way to develop that i i feel is like just reading them reading really good ones and reading really bad ones the bad ones sometimes tell you more than the good ones do because um, they clearly show you oh that is something not to do and that is not how you communicate that idea and there's also like i talked i talked to you about format there's also like there's no one right way to write a comic but every comic script should be at least communicate the ideas uh to an artist i try to view every script through the eyes uh, of an artist at least I'm not an artist myself, but I can see like, oh, okay, that is a clear visual idea in this panel. And if it makes sense to me, obviously it's going to make sense to an actual artist. So I try to view it in that sense. What's the process when you when you receive them? Like who exactly is reviewing them? Is, is, is everybody kind of take a look at them or is there somebody? The first people who see it are myself and Chris Fernandez. Um, we're the two uh, editors here uh, at Mad Cave Studios. We're the first two that see them and we sort of separate them out. These are like the slam dunks. These are like, the, eh, there's some potential there and these are like you know, the people who still need some work. And then we talk about those uh, with Mark and Gio, Mark London being our CEO and Gio being our editor in chief. Uh, and basically we just, us four get in a room together and hash it out. You and the other, uh, the other Chris, you guys, both of you guys read everything or you guys split them up? For the first round, me and Chris split them up. Both me and him have the same ideas of what makes a good, good writer, good artist. We can sort of view that objectively and not be like, uh, like a hard no from Chris is going to be like a complete yes from me. I think we're both in the same, we both have the same idea of what we're looking for. So I wanted to talk about like uh, conventions a little bit, just because I know you guys have gone to sure. a good amount of conventions and you go to like New York Comic Con every year, right? Yeah. Um, but kind of keeping it in the the wheelhouse of like submissions and stuff. Do you do you guys take like pitches and stuff at conventions? Because that's something that people talk about a lot, like approaching a publisher at a convention. Is that something you guys do? Uh, sure. Um, it's funny you talk about conventions. I'm actually headed to Rose City next week. Oh, right on. So, yeah, and we're closing in on New York, uh, so that's gonna be fun. It's hard to do like written pitches at a con. It's always harder to evaluate the strengths of a writer than it is an artist because an artist you can clearly see on the page. For a comic writer, the easiest way to get the view of editors is making comics. It's a very easy thing to say, I know. It's very hard for someone to read your comic script. So making that comic with an artist is usually the easiest way to get that on my screen or in my hands. So is there a goal for you guys when you go to conventions? Like specifically, is is accepting pitches part of that? Or is that just like, yeah, we'll do that because we're nice and hey, if we got some time, we'll check it out. Or is there like a m bigger goal, which is like we're trying to get our name out there and get our comics out there um, and make new fans, that sort of thing? Yeah, the main goal whenever you go to a convention is creating new fans and talking to the fans that are already there. And at a con, time is very limited especially for us uh, working at the cons because we're, we're at this convention to push our books and being as polite as to give just advice to people coming up to, you know, coming up to publishers or anything like that. Asking if there is an editor there is a big thing because sometimes there's the editors aren't there. So asking if an editor's there, being as polite as possible, uh, have business cards ready 
uh, I would happily take a business card over any time just because then once you give a business card, you give them the opportunity to view your stuff at their own time. I do that all the time of just like going through business cards and looking at portfolios and doing all this. So the business cards should have like a link to the to your work and portfolio. Oh, if if it doesn't, what are you doing? But you are there also kind of like networking with other creators and of course. seeing if you could possibly work together, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's any creator's goal when you're around other creators is making friends. The networking thing is huge, especially in comics, especially in any really creative medium. The first words out of your out of your mouth shouldn't be, "Oh, hey, I got this pitch for you." It should be, "Oh, hey, how's it going? How's it, how are you doing?" And being cordial, and then let it naturally come into the conversation instead of like, "Oh, hey, here's my pitch." <laughs> just be a normal human being, and you're already like a couple steps there. Well, that's true. I mean, I was just went to a Long Beach Comic Con, and you go to panels, and like they do a Q and A, and some people are just like, you could just sense their desperation. They're just like, "I have a book. Can I give it to you? Uh, you know, how do I get it published?" And just, it's just like this person doesn't want to answer that question. They want to answer like about the process, about how they work and stuff. Of course, and and that's also I I understand where they're coming from of like. This is probably something they have thought of and worked on for years and, and no one's really giving them the time of day or they, you know, it's very hard to, to get connections. Um, but, um, you know, it's not our job to tell you how to be successful. It is our job to, you know, advise in certain things, but shouting out a pitch at a panel, not, probably not the best way. <laughs> So I kind of want to talk a little bit maybe about like the inner workings of a publishing company. I think there's a lot of curiosities about how does a comic get made? You know, how does it get to stores? Who's kind of running these things? So one thing I noticed was I think it was a press kit or something. It had a lot of future covers for certain series. And does that mean that like those future issues are already completed or is it just a cover and then the issues are being worked on as they as they come out it's really depending on the series like for some books we already have like three issues of head by the time the first issue is out um some we're cutting it close and it's like two issues or something like that um or we hit a snag say in the middle of production of of one of the books and so we have to like catch up it really is depending on series by series if you're publishing through diamond do you have to send in the product info which is the synopsis and the cover and who's working on all that stuff Four months ahead, four months out, you need a cover. Um, so by that point, you're probably, hopefully you would have the first issue already done. But obviously, that's depending on your production schedule and your release schedule and how those coincide with each other. So it really, it's all really depending on the series. And is it, because I know like working with creative people, like they can be a little um, all over the place. Have you had trouble sometimes meeting deadlines and like got to be on, on people's ass to deliver? Yeah, that's the job of editors. Uh, to be as polite as possible. Uh, but like, hey, you know, the deadline was a week ago. How was the status? What's the update? Um, especially working sometimes with freelancers or people who are not doing this full time. So stuff gets in the way. Life gets in the way. That's why you build in your production schedule, sort of like cushions. Just so in case life gets in the way, uh, we still have some cushion there. And so kind of on that point, you know, having to be on top of people and making sure they're on meeting deadlines and delivering. How important is that with people you work with? Like, is is it like somebody can be a really great artist or they're amazingly talented, but like they suck at communicating, they take a, a week to respond to an email? Like, does that affect who you want to work with and like 
how excited you are to work with them, like how professional and reliable they are? A hundred percent. If if I have to wait uh, a week for you to email me about it, like simple questions or simple anything like that, then it's a problem. Um, and that'll impact for sure if I'm ever going to hire you for another project. Communication, um, especially in um, this industry where it is very key that I need to get this script to this artist. I need to get those pencils and inks uh, to a colorist. There's a lot of moving parts there. Um, and if I'm waiting on an email from you for a couple of days and then that that couple of days eats into the production schedule. Yeah, that's a problem. From that point, it'll be hard for me to go to you again for, say, I, I have a project that you're perfect for, but I can't really pull the trigger on it because I can't trust you. This is an industry uh, built on trust. And uh, if I can't trust you to deliver this on time, I'm not going to tire you for that reason, no matter how good you are, unfortunately. And you mentioned there are like a lot of moving parts, which if you have like a 22 page comic and you have pencils and then inks and colors and then letters, like you have 22, 22, it's like, it's like a hundred different files you have to manage. Yeah. Do you have like a system for that where our, our artists and letters and colors, are they sending you files? Is there a way you streamline all this stuff? Yeah. My method is more like just keeping it all in separate folders in Google drive. Um, and then having the writer, artist, colorist, or whoever um, in this shared uh, Google Drive of the project. Say a colorist is waiting on uh, inked pages for this thing, then it'll be in their separate folder. It really is a job of just communicating uh, what this person wants to do with this person and then seeing how that all works and meshes and goes well together. So you as an editor, you you are kind of acting like, like a middleman. Right? Pretty much. Earlier you said like you get a script and you can tell like if this is going to be clear for an artist, like is an artist going to understand what you're trying to say here? So like every step, it kind of comes back to you and then to the next person. Um, so a script would have to be approved through us to then get passed on to an artist um, to start doing layouts. And then from the layouts, we also have a, a separate approval phase for the layouts because uh, you can catch a lot of things in the layout phase. Um, so that's an easier fix. Um, then once pencils in come back, you approve those and then you pass those on to a colorist. Um, and then once you get those back, you approve those. And then what kind of notes do you find yourself giving a lot? Is there like a common issue? I mean, I'm assuming a lot of it isn't necessarily that they did something wrong, but it's more like subjective stuff. Like, is there something you see, uh, that's pretty common? So I would say it's like one of my main notes for a one person would be, uh, Having panel descriptions that are not like overly detailed, but that they just communicate the action that is going on in the panel. So let's say there's two actions in this panel. We can't have a character doing two actions in this panel. How is someone going to draw that? Continuity stuff on the writing side. It's like, oh, this person is doing one thing and two pages ago, but they apparently stopped doing that and there's no mention of it. Sometimes just people get too wordy in dialogue where you have to be like, okay, um, how can we communicate this idea and say a couple words less. On the artist side, um, that usually depends on how you're communicating the ideas. So um, you say, oh, you added a panel here? Okay, as long as it works and it communicates the idea, um, then we're all good. Um, if it clutters the page or and you're just doing it to add another panel there, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really add anything to it, then we have to like cut that out. So can you talk a little bit about what it's like working with Diamond? Because Obviously, like if you want to get into all the shops, they're like kind of the only people doing it, right? Like there's nobody competing with Diamond, right? There's smaller distribution channels that go regionally, but every every comic shop really uses Diamond. 
But is it just like you tell Diamond, like, hey, these are our comics, here you go? Or is it like a process where you have to, like, get accepted and apply? And There's an approval process for uh, for Diamond and a waiting thing. And there needs to be some level of quality to your books. And so you have to get Diamond to trust you that you're going to fulfill these orders and uh, make it on time. That is a big thing with Diamond of making sure the books ship out, making sure they're getting to comic shops. Four months before uh, your book is released, you have to send it product info, which I told you is like the cover and synopsis. Um, and then your book gets solicited in the previews. If you've ever been to a comic shop and see that big, huge book on the counter or something that's like a pre-order, a pre-order form. Um, and it's also on their website, previewsworld.com, which is actually really cool. And between then, you would get a purchase order. And from that purchase order, that's how you, uh, you get the number of basically who ordered the books. Uh, how many people order the books and basically your print number from that number you print the books so you send everything to diamond and they send it to the shops you're not like sending to the shops directly no no that yeah you send everything to diamond warehouses and then diamond warehouses distributes distributes them to every comic shop that ordered it but the the shops are deciding which comics they want to buy and how many and stuff so like you do have to have a certain relationship with with shops right like you have to like oh 100 percent. you are uh we have a person here who exclusively works with retailers his job every day is to get on calls and emails of retailers make sure they know what's in uh that's available to pre-order right now make sure they know what's going in shops right now that is his entire job is to do that um, and every publisher has one of them or multiple of that type of job. The reader and the fan is uh, going to their shop and telling them, hey, can you order this book for me? But that can't be your only way of having a book be on the shelf. Uh, you have to have a certain trust and a sort of relationship with the retailers to be like, oh, this is a new number one for Mad Cave. Sure, I'll order, I'll order a couple of those to have on my shelf, even if no one ordered it um, in my store. Uh, maybe somebody will just see it on the shelf and then uh, pull the rest of the books. Do they have to read every book and like say, yeah, we, you know, we like this idea. This seems really cool. Like we think our customers will like this. Or do they just trust like, look, we know that this publisher is going to put out stuff that's quality and that they have a fan base and, and just kind of hope that your reputation kind of sells the books? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Uh, we're getting to the point now we're seeing in our numbers and uh, we're seeing in how people order that some people are just taking it. They remember us. So we're not... When we first started out, we were just the Battle Cats guys. They didn't see us as Mad Cave or anything with publishers. Like, oh yeah, Battle Cats guys. Um, now we're when we're getting like successes like Knights of the Golden Sun or Honor and Curse, and we're getting those, um, and we're getting these successes, and we're getting on press and blogs and stuff like that. They're seeing like, oh hey, no, Mad Cave is a publisher and they produce quality stuff. And with a lot of retailers, we as if we have like say the full issue out while it's in pre-order. We will send that out um, electronically, like we have a newsletter with retailers, and we will send that out so they know exactly, okay, here's the full issue that you're going to get. Um, we have uh, promo packets that we send out to, I think, like 500 stores, and that's through Diamond um, of like preview copies of the book. It's, it's a thing of like, it's not just a, like a quality of books. Do we, are we known for delays? Anything like that, that also impacts if this retailer's ever gonna trust you or not um, if they order a book they expect it to be there when they order the book we make sure our books are on time we make sure everything is there at the stores um, if something happens we're quick to be like oh okay like can, well, how can we get replacement copies to them how can we 
make sure that the retailer is taken care of because they're taking a chance on us. No, it makes sense. It's sim- similar to what you were saying, your relationship with like other creators and responding to emails and stuff. It's like at some point kind of doesn't matter how great you are. Like if, if you can't trust a person to be professional and to work with you, it kind of ruins everything. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. This industry is built on trust and making sure that you deliver stuff on time. Um, and if you can't have that, then you're most likely going to fail. Kind of just to end up, I, I wanted to talk maybe a little bit about you and your personal experience. So like, how did you get into working in the comics industry? I mean, is this something that did you always want to like write comics or be in the comic book world? Is uh, I grew up reading comics, uh, manga, uh, just animation, art. I loved all that stuff. Uh, can't, can't draw a straight line. Um, and I've always loved stories. And so I went to Full Sail, went to Creative Writing Route. And in that, I really, uh, like, I loved telling my own stories, but what I really loved was, like, workshopping and really talking about the process and talking about storytelling and that collaborative experience of making a story a better. I really, really loved. So when I came back, I worked here and then at copywriting jobs and, and doing copy editing and stuff like that. And Mad Cave, they had something about an office assistant job or something. I applied to that, got hired apparently because I knew comics. Later into me working here, we had a need for social media um, and I could write. So they were like, hey, here, do social media. And through then I did copywriting. Through social media and through just me working here and being by people, I usually got to proofread stuff and give my ideas and give certain recommendations on things. And when the need arose for another editor, and I was like, yeah, sure. And because you said you, you studied creative writing, are you still trying to do writing? Or do you, have you found that like editing fills your desire to work on stories? I Currently, right now, I have no desire to write my own stuff. I, I truly, truly, uh, I'm just all bored in editing. And I really, like I'm working with like a good group of people. Um, and all the writers and artists that I'm working with have been stellar. So, so I'm doing a good job here, uh, you know, having a good time. Well, yeah, man, thanks for talking to me and thanks for participating with the competition. Dope, man, no problem. It was cool to talk to you. Right on.